Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today's special guest is Nikki Lee. She has been a stylist, she is an educator, she is a salon owner, she owns a cosmetology academy, she is the founder of The Statement Project, she is a consultant, she is a photographer, I'm I'm running out of breath with this introduction, she is all things and is the real deal. And before we pushed record, she shared with me that her wish is to make financial literacy the the ginormous uh, amount of information of financial literacy broken down into bite-sized pieces and especially for people in the salon industry. And I am one of the people that needs to be spoon-fed these bite-sized pieces. And uh, I will share with you all what I shared with Nikki, but welcome Nikki. I'm so, so excited to have you here today. Thank you for doing this. Thank you so much, Elaine, for giving me the opportunity. I'm such an admirer of your work. And, uh, you know, I, I know you and I kind of connected on the back end because I just love watching what you're doing and so admire women like you in the industry that are movers and shakers and doing really cool stuff. So you just know Thank how to put so together virtual shows and man, you're just so good. So Thank you. So I, I first became aware of who you were and your name was on my radar listening to the Hairdistry Boys, Your Day Off podcast. I remember exactly where I was when I was listening and I heard your story and then I saw your picture and I was like, it does not connect. Like it was not at all who I pictured. Did you ever do that with like one of your client's husbands? You hear them talk about their husband for 20 years and you have this mental picture and then he walks in to pick her up one day and you're like, wait, you're her husband? You're not supposed to be her husband. So I just had this like, visual or you were telling your story about Vietnam and your childhood and all these things. And it was such a great episode. It was absolutely one of my favorite episodes. And they they replayed it recently because I think it was one of the most popular episodes. And then fast forward to now during COVID, you were so active in the beauty business reset. And so uh, the way that I describe it is like, we all felt like we were going you know, white water rafting and we could see the rapids coming and we knew we were going to go off the edge and there was nothing to grab onto and just all this uncertainty. And you kept showing up all bubbly and happy saying, well, wait, there's money, there's money. You have to get this money. And really because of you and because of knowing about all of these things and having it brought to me in my way of finding out, you know, in a fun you know, Facebook live with a bunch of people laughing with Oscar and James and all these people. And it was fun. It has to be fun for me to get financials. It can't be spreadsheet serious. So you accidentally poured it into me. You know, I didn't have a choice. I couldn't run from it. And I'm so happy that I did. So thank you for being that person that we all need it during this crazy time and uh, figuring all those rules out and structure and, oh, Sweating, it was a saving grace for me, really. You know, I was as devastated as everyone else and feeling as lost as everyone else. But I found that 
in doing that, and it gave me this deep purpose, and that burp, that 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 purpose was my float, you know, and 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 kind of keeping in in line with that. And I felt so, you know, I I ended up being someone who was incredibly lucky to have a friend from so many years ago that is the deputy of risk management at the SBA. And he just happened to be willing to give me some time to talk to me about some of the things. That's the only way I think I really would have understood it from this like ground zero level. Like he was just getting on the phone. He was like, dude, don't do that. Dude, just apply. I mean, he was like really cash with me and that really helped me understand it. And then he would send me articles to read and things and I just digested it. And um, it was like a a lifesaver for me, you know, so. Digesting that information would be absolute torture for me. It would, it would be like when I was forced to try and read Romeo and Juliet in high school and all that jargon of where art thou and all that. I was just like, please, dear God, somebody put a movie on and tell me what this is and give me the cliff notes. And our teacher was smart enough to make the questions on the test where you could not know the answer from the cliff notes. She read the cliff notes and made sure that she picked out the tiniest details to test if you really, so of course I failed it miserably, but I just could not, I'm I'm an avid reader now as a later in life because I choose what I want to read. You know, if it's something that lights me up, I can't put the book down. If you tell me I have to read a book about, you know, PPP and all the things that you sat through and did, it would never happen. I mean, it's, it's interesting how different people, like you do all of a lot of the same things that I do as far as the salon industry, but it stops with the financial piece and the structure and the, you're so good at like procedures and policies and all the things that I 100% agree, none of us were prepared for when we opened our salons. You know, we were good hairdressers that were passionate about being entrepreneurs and we never in a million years could know what was around the corner with policies, procedures and tax tax structures and all of those things. Right, right. And it's it's really, you know, I, I always use the analogy that anyone who has heard me say this, like, forgive me for repeating it, but for your audience, I always compare entrepreneurship and business ownership to a chess competition and playing the, you know, having a business is like playing a game of chess. You got to set up your, your, your game board. You got to know all the pieces and the players. You got to know all the moves. You got to understand that and study it. And it's like so many of us have entered the chess competition without actually learning how to play chess. So we're kind of winging it as we kind of go and we don't know the moves. And I, I just think, but, but, we're, but, but, but we're smooth when we're doing it. We look good when we're doing it. Right. And so I think that's sometimes what happens. And so we're putting the cart before the horse a little bit. And what I hope to, to try to bring to, if I could bring anything to the industry is maybe preparation a little bit and teaching people how to play chess just a little bit. And uh, maybe, you know, the rules a little bit and play a little bit of a, a game that's a bit more savvy and you can tend, you know, strategize 10 steps ahead because you understand the game and get our brains thinking in that way. And that would be something that if I could share, I would do that. Um, so I, I, I hope that business owners will see this. Maybe you're listening to this and maybe you think, am I ready to be a business owner? Am I ready to be an entrepreneur and go on my own? There's preparation to be done. The answer isn't if you're ready or not, it's have you done the work to prepare for it and just study what you need to do. And I know that some of it's painful to learn because it's kind of boring and tedious, but find somebody who can teach it with you. You know, my friend, Steven Gomez, he's a brilliant financial coach. 
he can coach you through spreadsheets and to the point where your eyes bulge out of your head, you know? And so he, they, there are just ways you've got to find somebody that you connect with. So if you're going to go enter the game of chess, go find yourself a chess coach that's going to teach you how to play the game to a champion level. And then I think that you're doing justice for the business. Otherwise, I think you're going to, you know, struggle along a little bit. I love that analogy and I loved the Queen's Gambit on Netflix and the whole time I'm watching it I'm thinking I have never played chess I have no idea what they're talking about and then I was walking in my neighborhood someone was having a yard sale and they had the most gorgeous acrylic chess set is Mm -hmm. was on the table so I'm like I have to have this I just watched the Queen's Gambit I need a chess set for a decoration I don't know how to play chess and I brought it home my husband said what the hell? You don't even know how to play chess. I'm like, I know it's one of those things. Like now I need to know how to play chess. So it makes sense that my personality never took the time to learn how to play chess because you're absolutely right. That type of, you know, being able to be, to be 10 steps ahead and to be so savvy and always see what's coming and try to get ahead of it. I was a fly by the seat of your pants owner. When I opened my salon, I was 22 years old. I bartended at the most popular club in the neighborhood on Wednesday nights. And I would come home with crunched up $20 stinky bills with like vodka stuck on them and, you know, all the (laughs) stuff and smelled like stale beer. And I would stuff it into like a big jar and it was starting to get really full. And then I would go through and I would count out the twenties and go to the bank and get hundred dollar bills. So when I went to open my business, the gentleman from the uh, furniture company came to my house. I don't know. They, I don't think they do that anymore. He came to my house. His name was Dick. I still remember it like it was yesterday. And he sat at my table and he said, so what's your budget? And I pulled this jar out and I shook these hundred dollar bills out on the table. And I started putting it in piles and I was like, that's my budget. How, what, what furniture can I afford? And it worked. I mean, I'm still here. It's, you know, 30 years later, I've, I've had two locations. I've had numerous employees and and trained many, many, many six-figure colorists. And I was successful in spite of myself. And, you know, if, if I only understood the piece that you help people with and really, really knew my numbers, I can only imagine how much more I could be retired now instead of starting another business at 51 (laughs) years old. Um, But hindsight's 2020, right? And as hairdressers, we all, I shouldn't say we all, a lot of us have the type of personality where we're like, oh, I'll figure it out. I'll worry about it when I have to. Like, that's what keeps us able to deal with the weight and the energy of some negative clients and people who suck the life out of the room. And we're just like, hey, let's put some sparkly highlights around your face. Let's change the subject and be the rah-rah. So it's good in many ways, but when it comes to financial pieces, have been so much stronger in that direction and could have helped my employees to understand money better if I had embraced it. Right. It really is a balance though. And, and, and I'm going to say this about the fact that I mentioned a chess game, you know, maybe your game isn't chess, you know, maybe your business is, is monopoly. Maybe your business is life. You know, maybe your business is, I don't know, what's the other one, Scrabble. You know, maybe you play it a little differently. The fact of the matter is, Every single thing is a, is it has rules, policies, procedures, and structure to it. And if you learn the game before you play it, it's going to be, you know, if you were to play a game, like a board game, you would enter into it by knowing. So that's, it's, but it is a balance. You can't be, you know, can't have paralysis where you are so afraid to do it if you aren't perfect. You know, perfection is overrated. Mm. But, but, but so I love that fearlessness in you. And I think that part of why you were such a, 
dominant force in your career, regardless of what, what you said in spite of yourself, is because of your fearlessness and because of your drive and because of your uh, work ethic. And, and, and you have all of those pieces matter too. You can't just know the chess game and not have those pieces. You gotta mm-hmm. have all of that. And so I think that you had those pieces and that's what I think a lot of business owners in our industry have. And, and that's why I think our industry is so magical because we come from a vocational background. We come from not a collegiate, not a super academic, nothing, nothing like that, right? So a few of us might be, but you know, most of us are not. And I think that having that perfect balance, finding that balance for yourself is really important. You know, you don't have to be super structured and super policy procedure, whatever systemization. You got to sometimes just have some fearlessness and, and have the balance of sometimes you just got to just put your head, you know, down and just grind it out. But so I think that that's what you have, you know, and I think that that's a powerful tool too. So I love that. And, and I love the word multi-potentialite. I heard it, you know, maybe two years ago and I shared it with my son, who's now a college senior. And I said, I love that that's finally being embraced, that you can be good at a lot of things and you can do a lot of things. Right. You know, we, we get married for better, for worse, sickness and health. We, we hope that it's forever. Not, it's not always the way. I'm fortunate I'm still married to the same man for October will be 30 years. And Bette Midler said it so perfectly. She was interviewed when she was in the First Wives Club movie. And she said, marriage is not a natural state. You can't expect to be in love with one person for the rest of your life. Your friendships change, your careers change. You change cities, states, homes, like everything around you is in a constant state of change. Yet you're supposed to love and go goo goo gaga over some one person for the rest of your life. And she said, no wonder so many people are divorced. And I thought about that in relation to marriage, but I also thought about it in relation to career. And I always felt a little bit odd and a little bit guilty for always wanting to keep moving, shaking and pivoting. I would get so bored so fast. And it made me feel like I wasn't being grateful because I opened my, my salon, I was 22. And I remember saying, what am I going to do when nobody's there, when there's no client, I'm going to be so bored. And I was like, oh, I'm going to put a beach chair out in the yard and I'm going to bring a bathing suit to work. And when this is 22, all you care about is being tan and going to the beach. So I was like, didn't live anywhere near the beach, but I loved sitting out in the sun. So I said, if I don't have a client, I'm going to sit out and I'm going to have the cordless phone with me. And if somebody calls, I'll get dressed and I'll go in and I'll do their hair. And I never, ever, ever sat in that yard on that beach chair. I was busy from day one on and, and just organically, there was no social media. There was none of the things that we have now, but I was so excited to do what I was doing and passion always propelled me to where I needed to go. I had to have that get up and go hunger to keep going. And I feel sorry and sad for so many people in our industry and especially you saw how devastated people were and you were such a life raft for so many people. What what do you see happening with the industry? Like, are you seeing a lot of people shifting and dropping away and getting completely away from it? Or do you think that this pause has made people rethink and maybe they're going to be stronger than ever? I'm sure there's a combination, but what has been your experience with that? Well, humbly speaking, I would say that my observation of the industry prior to the pandemic, the challenges were always there. The challenges aren't different or new, or I mean, there's new ones, but those original challenges of um, corporate structure, 
of accounting processes, of accounting workflow, of your policies and procedures, of training systems and lack thereof. All of those things still stand. And so, the, and, it, and it originates, in my opinion, deeply from a, a the, the fact that a lot of times, way back when, you know, our industry is really only about 100 years old, roughly, I guess, if you really think about it, um, as a profession that has been regulated. And so when you, when you project back and you study the history of this industry, a lot of times it's 85% it's female driven. It is vocational in nature. And uh, we are unstructured at best, you know, if we really want to say that. You know, again, I say that with the utmost love that we are unstructured at best and, and all the artsy ways of saying that. But the origin of that is non-compliance, that we don't understand what are the labor laws and the structures that have been set up under the FLSA and all of the methodologies of compensation and all of the ways of understanding how do you create benefit packages for somebody or how do you actually even grow somebody. We don't even fundamentally as an industry truly understand what goes into price. I'm still hearing concepts of people teaching pricing classes of saying things like charge your worth, whereas in my opinion, I don't think it has anything to do with your worth. I, ha I think you have to delineate between what is your worth and what is your market value. There's two mm. separate things. And I think that all of those problems were there and all of those problems will stand, but all of those problems and all those challenges and all those brokenness and, and, and everything that it is. And again, I adore this industry for a lot of reasons, but those things stand. What the pandemic did was it, it put a, an enormous spotlight mm. on those deficiencies and people having to apply for loans and you know, PPP loans and grants and all of these things to find money to survive, it required all of those pieces to be put mm -hmm. into the right place. And when they discovered that they didn't have it, it just made it glaringly clear. So it separated the businesses that didn't have it and they are going to probably shut down. Uh, we, prior to the pandemic, the statistic that I read was that we are somewhere around 94,000 employee-based salons in the United States. In my opinion, I don't know what the stats are yet, but this is my humble opinion, based on all my conversations with other coaches and people, I think that we're gonna lose probably 50% of those, if, wow. not, if not more. So do I think it's gonna impact our industry? I think we were near annihilated by the pandemic in our industry. I think that what it did was, it put also another spotlight on the deficiencies of employers and how they structured certain things. And then everyone went into self-preservation mode. And then everyone's now thinking like, well, I don't want to follow all those rules. I don't want to work on your shifts. I don't want to wear those masks if I don't want to wear those masks or whatever it is, uh, the, the mm -hmm. thoughts that are happening right now, the conflicts. And so they're like, I'm out. I'm going to build a salon in my home. I'm going to build a suite. I'm going to go here. They're going into self-preservation uh, mode. And all of that is happening. And so it's set on fire the disruption that was already happening pre-pandemic, which is that we were transitioning. By the way, in 2016, there were about 150,000 employee-based salons. And wow. by, by 2019, 2020, well, 2019, we went to about 95,000. So the numbers dropped significantly in employee-based businesses. There was a disruption and that disruption was set on fire. And so Meaning, meaning, yes, do I see a mass exodus? Do I see all this transition over into the suite models and independent, what I call the independent artist model or what the government calls a subcontractor model? 
yes, that's been set on fire. It's going to be all kinds of popular. It's very trendy. It was trending before. It's going to keep trending. But that does not negate the need for employee-based businesses. What it's going to do is it's going to call to action that employee-based salon owners have to now play the game in the right way with all of the compliance models, with all of the accounting procedures, with all of the workflow procedures, with every single thing that you need to have in place, now is the time. And what the pandemic did, which was an enormous blessing, which was give us the time to see it very clearly and seek out the people that could help us do that. Whereas before we were too busy working and grinding, we didn't have the time to do it. So what I see for the future of the industry, yeah, we may lose 50%, 60%, 70%, who knows, but, People in our industry are very resilient. We're artists and we will regroup. And I think what will happen is in that mass exodus and that trend over to the sweet independent side, like everything, things get tiring, things get, you know, what you're doing when you're doing that, you're adding on an enormous amount of administration work that the owner was taking care of you before. Well, a good owner. What they were seeing is they weren't working for an owner that was taking care of it. So they're like, well, why am I going to bother with that? I'm going to take care of it myself. But that's, mm -hmm. that's that shit's going to get tiring after a while. So I think that there will be a drop off in a few years of that going back into the other direction. But that means then that employee-based businesses, you better get your shit in order so that you are prepared to take these people on, prepared to, to give them the support they need, to prepare to give them tier pricing to grow their income and compensation and benefits and all of those things that, that honestly we require. So, and there's ways of doing it. You just have to be not resistant to trying out new things like additional tier pricing and, and different compensation models and, you know, changing out your accounting and managing your expenses and all of that kind of stuff. So my, 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 to sum that all up, I would say that, yes, we will see fluctuation up and down. Do I think that the independent model is here to stay? Absolutely. I think it's actually a great model, but it has to get compliant. In the past, it was the booth rental non-compliant model, and you have to just do it compliantly. And that's really why I try to teach that and what those compliance laws are so that you keep the points of separation, legal points of separation that are so very necessary for someone to do as to, to be independent. You want to be independent? That's fine, but let's do it right. And, um, and then because really as a business owner, rather you have renters or you have employees or subcontractors, employees, the, the job is still the same you still have to manage expenses. You still have to have the core fundamentals of managing cash in, cash out, and the, empl the employee experience or subcontractor experience and guest experience. Your, your job's still the same. And you as the owner, you might not be doing things like paying them or you know, training them, but you will be coaching them. You will be coaching them to succeed in their own business or you're not gonna have any artists working in your business. And so again, it's always the same job. It's just maybe a different business model or a different compliance structure. So true. And so many great points. And I remember thinking when I was feeling extra burned out as an owner towards the end of, you know, a 30 year run of lots of moving parts and, and lots of uh, ongoing duties that I didn't love doing. Um, I would often say, wow, that sounds amazing to just open the doors and everybody pays you instead of you paying them and you don't have any headaches. And then I would, I would go into these forums where it was a mixture of commission salon and booth rent salon. And this was prior to the suites even being a thing. And it was the same problems that they complained about the same things because then it became 
my, my renter hasn't paid her rent. She's coming in looking like a slob. She's not in dress code. And the owner didn't realize that they gave up the right to tell her how to dress when she became a renter. So they wanted the best of both worlds. And then during the pandemic, I just kept thinking of all the people that I've known over the years that were so far out of compliance with the way they paid their employees and not paying the right taxes and not reporting all their income. And I'm thinking, this is going to straighten that right out because if you sit at home and you're told you can't open your business, but you're not above board with your books, now you can't take advantage of this government funding. Now you're really shit out of luck. So you thought you were winning, but you didn't win at all. And you can't buy a house because you can't qualify for a mortgage. You can't buy a car. Like there's so many reasons to do it properly that people miss out on and don't realize it until it's too late. Right. I mean, there's a solution to that. The solution is, is that, you know, here's what I found, what I compare booth rental to uh, unsuccessful booth renting. There are some very successful booth rental models, obviously, when they're doing it compliantly and they're doing it wonderfully. I, I, I have seen that, but m- the majority are not. And, and it's, and I'm, again, I'm saying it with the utmost love and, and care because we want to help grow this out, but it's, it's, I liken it to this. It's like entering that chess game or that chess competition not knowing the rules and then making up your own <laughs> and then you're not playing with anybody else it's like you're you're playing non-compliantly you, you have to play it with the structure that has been given to us not only by the irs but by the labor department and by the dpor you know what i mean department of regulations we have to play along those rules because we are now entering the marketplace to be in business and there are structures for a reason you know i mean i'm not saying i can break rules as much as anybody okay but but I think overall, we just, the solution is to learn it. You can't avoid the rules or make up your own rules. You have to just learn the rules and learn how to do it really, really well. So it's just now time. It's not time. It's a call to action. And you just have to reach out and seek out classes and information in order to do it. Don't be scared. You know, don't be stressed out. Don't be overwhelmed. If you're going to be in business, let's do it well and let's do it right. And if you are smart enough. You do, you can do it. I'm telling you, it's like a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. You can, I know you can. We help hundreds, if not thousands of people to do that. And so everyone's capable of doing it. So if somebody's listening right now and they're feeling completely overwhelmed by what we've just talked about, which I'm sure there will be many, even if they're a sole proprietor, you know, doing their own thing, it's still a lot to take in. What would you say is the best first step? Is it hiring a consultant or a coach? Is it, you know, joining a group? You know, what, what is the best advice that you would give to someone who feels like, where do I even begin? I think the three things you can do is you can reach out to somebody. You don't necessarily have to hire the coach. Cause I understand if you're living paycheck to paycheck, you might not have the dollars for that. And I get that. And so we are very sympathetic to that. However, you do need to reach out to somebody that's going to give you information if you don't want to do it yourself. If you can't, I mean, listen, if you go to online and search FLSA document, it will literally give you the entire breakdown in 72 pages of the most boring reading material you've ever seen in your entire life. But it's necessary. So that will teach you alone. You can do it yourself. You can teach yourself if you choose. But if you want to reach out to somebody for a discovery call like us, I would say just reach out and talk to a coach or a consultant and just say, I have some of these challenges. What do you think? And then the second piece of that is to be open and not resistant to the information. So just listen and learn and be willing to try to change it and alter things. Um, and, and again, you know, I, I am never one to recklessly go in and alter everyone's business. I'm just not. 
you have a business for a reason. Your business is okay. As long as it's surviving and keeping, you know, it's going, just reach out and then do it in small bites. Don't get overwhelmed by it and start to slowly shift. The other thing is groups out there like BBR and, or Beauty Business Reset or your group or any group. There's a ton of groups that you can join for a very, very low cost that I think would be very, very important. Be cautious of the Facebook post. I, I tend to lean towards saying, be, be aware. I, when I read a lot of Facebook posts, there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's some great information, but you don't know the difference. And if you don't know the difference, you might be listening to somebody that honestly, you know, I cannot tolerate somebody talking about the PPP loan policies right now. And they're an independent sole proprietor and they've never gotten one. And so you can, and I can always tell if they've gotten one or not. And I would ask the question, have you gotten a PPP loan? Have you worked with other people that have gotten a PPP loan? We worked with uh, probably over 500 business owners that have gotten PPP loans, work them through the forgiveness process. I understand it. And so I was listening to a, a, a clubhouse where I heard about somebody that was listening to a clubhouse. They told me they were like talking about the PPP loan. They had no business talking about the PPP loan. So be careful who you listen to, but reach out to the right person that understands it. And most coaches have the heart to help and have the heart to listen and just do a discovery call first to make sure that's the right thing for you. And then if real work needs to happen, be willing to invest in it. And you can do small shifts in your business, like price increases, add another service, changing certain things, dropping some expenses out to readjust, to be able to afford somebody to help you out a little bit. And then I would go from there. The other thing that you can do um, is, is just to start reading to start getting the information. YouTube is a major resource these days for a lot of people, but um, coaching is gonna give you the most direct help to what you need specifically in your business. Whereas you're out in the sea and you're trying to find the, the right piece of information, it's gonna take a little longer to do and to digest. And if you're not super self-initiated and motivated, it's kind of challenging in that area. Whereas we can help give it to you in those bite-sized pieces so that you're, you're helping to understand. That's where I would say, just don't, don't feel overwhelmed. Feeling overwhelmed is actually pretty good. It's actually, it means that you're uncomfortable and that's good. Mm, great, great, great advice. A lot of really good points. And uh, yeah, I agree. It's, I, I did a coffee chat recently where I talked about, you know, what is your comfort level in getting the help that you need? Do you prefer to use time money or your energy? Like there's only so many resources. And if you don't have the money, you need to take the time to go down all the rabbit holes and gather it. Can you get there through YouTube and through free, free videos? Absolutely. But by the time you get there, you could have, if you paid someone like you, you could get there so much faster and the faster pays for you. So it's like sometimes we're penny, yeah, we're like penny wise, pound foolish, and we're like stingy with the money because we're like, oh, I can't, I can't, but you're just going to keep wasting money and right. bleeding out in other ways when, you know, you could get right to, it's, it's just like hiring a personal trainer at the gym. Right. You know, you can walk on your little track for five years or you can go to the personal trainer and get, get it off and learn how to do it a lot quicker. We've recognized that. And so what we decided to do was to create a uh, itinerary of classes, uh, support events is what we call them for the rest of the year. And we keep these prices, these support events were around 79 to $199. I mean, for one small bite like that, you can get pretty much all the resources and information you need directly to that topic. And, and that's really why I specifically did that, just to make sure that you at least have it in front of you. And then from there, you're like, you know what? Nope, that is a priority. I do want to spend some dollars on that. And then we also do something that's a little bit different as, a, as consultants. We offer working sessions. So we offer one, two, and three-hour working sessions. So you don't have to sign any sort of contract with us. 
you just say, hey, I need an hour of your time or I need three hours of your time. I need you to work with me and I need you to build up my pricing schedule with me. I need you to build this out. And so it's just, there's not a lot of confusion about getting the work done. It's just like, let's just do the task, get it done. And just put it to Where were you 20 years ago? <laughs> yeah, learning. When I was figuring I was it learning. out by the school of hard knocks. <laughs> I was learning. I was, I was in the same school of hard knocks. <laughs> it's a great school though. <laughs> We have to have a reunion sometime. Yeah. yeah. This entire I really don't regret um, learning that way because you never forget the lessons. That's for sure. You know, you learn them, you skin your knees so many times that you never repeat the same behaviors. You can't help but, uh, but learn a lesson from it. But it does, everything takes a lot longer than it needs to now that I'm a grown woman and I understand that there's a coach in every need you could possibly have. There's weight loss coach, there's performance coach, there's financial coach, I'm a color coach. Like there's every kind of coach you can imagine. And why not? You know, imagine Tiger Woods not ever having a coach or all these famous athletes. Everyone who's super successful has had some sort of coach along the way. So Nikki, you're amazing. Tell everyone how to get in touch with you to be their coach. I know, like you said, these individual trainings, I saw you have one coming up with Steven. That sounds amazing. I'm not sure yeah. when this episode is coming out and if it'll be in time. I know, is it March? What's March 29th. It's March 29th. It'll be online. Um, you can go to statementstrong.com. So www.statementstrong.com. It has an entire list of our classes for the year. Uh, and I am literally a quick email away. If you want to email me, uh, my email is Nikki statements at gmail.com. You can just shoot me an email. I'm very easy to get a hold of. And, uh, or you can PM me through uh, messenger on Facebook and I'll be very responsive and I'll do whatever I can to help. You know, I mean, my, my goal is to help everyone survive right now. And, and I can share this really quickly if I could. I think one of the best things, so there's not a business owner I've ever met out of the thousands that I've met that has been able to do it alone. Mm. Meaning you have to build two types of teams. You have to build an internal team of support and an external team. That internal team, you have to grow and train and build according to your vision and, and, and your branding. And so those people become the leaders inside of your business. And that is necessary for every single business that grows. If you, and, and there's not a business owner that I know that doesn't need an external team. When you don't have an external team, you're, you're going to drown. And so I would tell you that external team includes a, an amazing CPA, which I have an incredible one. If you need, um, I will just reach out to me and I will connect you. Uh, he's, he's incredible. I've burned through six and, and I can mm -hmm. tell you he's, he's by far stellar in every way. Um, you need a good CPA. You need a good attorney that you can call when you need. Um, you need to have a good insurance agent that you can make sure that they give you the right information that works with you and talks with you. And you need a really good coach slash consultant that, that is going to give you what you need and connect you to the right people. And then you need to have a fantastic distributor rep that is going to help connect you to trainers and educators. And that external team is going to be, is going to skyrocket you. You know, it's, that's, that's one of the big things that I think if you could do anything, that's what I would say. And I can help connect you to a lot of those people. I'm sure you could connect people to a lot of people as well. Um, it's really about who you can get, get connected to for what you need. Um, and then that internal team is really about leadership. So that's how you get a hold of me. And I think that that would be one of the best things that you could do um, really to, to kind of, you know, I'm not asking you to be the account. I'm just asking you to understand what it takes and so that you can talk and communicate with the account in a, in a very intelligent managerial accounting way. 
Absolutely. I'm thinking right now, all the people that are listening going, they're driving in their car going, crap, I don't have an attorney. Crap. I don't have an insurance. <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> because, pay them. You just have, yeah, to, find you just have them. to know who they are and have yeah, them, in, in, them. Your, in your address book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's great, great advice. Absolutely. You're amazing. And God, Thank you wear you. a lot of hats. Um, <laughs> I, I need to take a nap just walking through that introduction. It's exhausting. Um, but it says a lot about who you are and about your ability to let go and delegate and not be trapped in perfectionism and control, which I'm a card carrying control freak. And that, that really inhibited a lot of my growth in my life because I was so controlling. I'm more, I'm still a work in progress. Um, but it's important to, to your point, find the people that do the things that you don't like to do better than you and have them do it with you and for you so that you can stay in your zone of genius and just keep Absolutely. doing what fires you up. Absolutely. So. You should do best and give your gift to the world in that way. Yeah. Well, you are oh, such a pleasure to thank chat you, with. Thank you so much for doing this. It was so fun and, talking uh, with you. Yeah, please stay in touch. <laughs> and thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.